Hello and welcome to another episode of Catholics at Home. Uh, let me tell you, this is our first live show. So get ready for some, some impromptu things that's going to happen on this show. But uh, let me introduce who's on the show today. Uh, my co-host as usual is Mark Darren Lee. Hi, Mark. Hey, Kevin. I'd like to wish you a very happy feast day uh, to you and all the Marks uh, watching our show. Thank you very much. <laughs> and of course, Mark, our show is titled Ask a Priest. And being our first live show, we do not have one priest, but two priests on the show Excellent. today. Yes. That's great. So let's welcome uh, Father Clarence Devadas and Father Patrick Masang. Good morning, fathers. Good morning, everyone. Morning. All right. I hope everyone's well. Also, uh, let me just mention a couple of our viewers who've uh, gotten in early on the show today. Uh, I'd like to say good morning to Kit Chan, Daphne, Gertrude. Thanks for joining us. We're also waiting for more of our viewers to join us. Uh, as you know, we've set a time, uh, a timing for them at 10 o'clock and they should be getting in pretty soon as uh, we go along to this show. But uh, first of all, it's our first live show, Saturday morning show. How's everybody? Uh, Father Clarence, had your breakfast? Yes, Kevin. I had an early breakfast this morning uh, just to get ready for this. Uh, yeah, very simple breakfast, just some oats and some tea. Very quick. All right, let me remind you, this is not part of the Ask the Priest. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it is, or maybe it is. Uh, Father Patrick, what's your favorite choice of breakfast for you? Well, I don't have any breakfast because I'm doing this intermittent fasting, so I'm okay. Just oh, water. Okay. Intermittent <laughs> fasting, all right. Uh, I've heard of yeah. that, but I've never tried that, and I don't think I'll be able to, to do that. <laughs> All right, so um, let me just uh, let's just talk about uh, why we are doing this show on the third of May, uh, two Sundays from now. It's going to be Good Shepherd Sunday, right? And uh, maybe let's just uh, have a little introduction about what Good Shepherd Sunday is all about. Uh, Father Clarence, maybe you'd like to to start off. Yeah, Good Shepherd Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter. Uh, usually, we have the gospel reading of the Good Shepherd, and Good Shepherd uh, Sunday is also known as Vocation Sunday. So it's a day where, you know, uh, we remind, the church reminds us uh, about God's call. Uh, more specifically, I think Vocation Sunday is about calling to, to priestly and religious life. So that's the day that, you know, uh, our prayers are offered to God, especially here in many parts of the world where vocations are decreasing, uh, praying for an increase of vocations. So, yeah, so it's the fourth Sunday of Easter, which is known as Vocation Sunday. And uh, Father Patrick, Father Pat, uh, what does uh, Vocation Sunday mean to you? Well, Clarence put it in a nutshell. Our focus is to be on the good shepherd because sometimes the other shepherds have not been very good. So we turn back and focus on the good shepherd so we will not lose the plot and get our directions right. And to encourage people to pray for us, actually, and especially for those who are discerning to become shepherds in one way or another. So that's good Sunday for me. Uncle Pat, um, we notice in, uh, when, when we, we, we have like, when we mention uh, Father Patrick Masang, we have to put the CSSR. Actually, I wonder what the CSSR mean. And yeah. It's a Latin word, Congregatio Santissime Redemptio, which means Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer. Because it's so long, Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer, we shorten it and say Redemptorists. 
very close to the terrorists in the Catholic Church. <laughs> Is there another meaning for the Clarence? I have, a, I, have, I have a theory for that. You know, you know, the Redemptorists are very well known for giving missions, for you know, going around from parishes, preaching powerful missions. So the sometimes we say CSSR stands for carefully selected sermons repeated. So, <laughs> so when they do these missions, they repeat the sermons. <laughs> so hey, by the by the way, by the way, you know when I did my my studies in Rome, uh, I was I was with the Redemptorists, you know, great bunch of people. Yeah, yeah, I, I studied in, in in their university, so I'm quite I'm indebted to the Redemptorists uh, in many ways. There so you are. How, we are good so how do, how do we tell them apart for the Clarence? <laughs> how do we tell them apart? I, I think. Uh, yeah, one of the easiest ways would be would be the 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 cassock that they wear uh, is quite different. I think Father Pat will will explain a little bit. Uh, theirs has got a rosary on the side. You know, if you look at when they wear their their, their cassock, or do you call it a habit? I think you call it a habit. What do you call it, Father Pat? Habit, yes. Uh, habit, yes, yeah. the habit. So they have the rosary, so that's quite distinct. Uh, that the Redemptorists have, and they have a, a white cincher around. Uh, yeah, maybe he 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 would explain. That's that's what we can see from the. Externally, we see that that you know you, you can distinguish a, a redemptorist from from any other priest. Yeah, we we wear kind of a cincture, that's a very thick belt that we have, and we drape the rosary in the alphabet of a, of, of the M that goes round. But I think what Pope Francis said about you know smelling the sheep, I think the sheep should smell the shepherd and tell the difference. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold on, uh, Kevin. Uh, Father Pat, I think your your camera is uh, uh maybe yeah. The we're viewing you sideways. <laughs> I don't know why that is happening. Try and uh, maybe, correct it. Yeah, yeah. maybe while well, uh, Father Pat adjusts that. Ah, okay. uh, let me let me remind the viewers if you just joined us. Uh, this is our first live show. It's called Ask a Priest, where you can ask Father Clarence or Father Patrick any questions at all. Uh, so just type your comments, your questions, sorry, in the comment section uh, below this, if you're watching this on Facebook. And also, uh, let me remind you, later, later on, towards the end of the show, we are going to pick a winner or two winners for our contest that we had during Holy Week, where we asked you to post your pictures of your decorations at home during Palm Sunday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter Sunday. So for those of you who have already sent in your pictures, we will be picking two winners uh, today, uh, and we'll see who that is later on in the show. So do stay tuned. In the meantime, we'll be carrying on with our conversation as we titled, the show is titled Ask a Priest. And uh, so any questions, uh, Mark? Yes. So basically from Gerard, thank you for your questions. So he says, Shalom, Father Clarence and Father P Patrick. Kindly advises what is meant by reverence during Holy Mass according to canon law, the CCC, and teachings about the Holy Liturgy. Thanks, Father. So maybe uh, Father Pat or... You want to start? <laughs> well, I don't have the documents here with me, right? But I go back to the Vatican documents, which says full and active participation in the Eucharist or in the Mass, which means we have greater focus in the Mass. We are supposed to participate in the singing, 
in the prayers and be truly present in that way and not just to sit and be a spectator. Right. If I can just add on to that, uh, Father Pat, uh, what about people like me? <laughs> I I, re- I really don't like to sing, <laughs> but I'm singing inside. I mean, but nobody knows. <laughs> I think that that, that's, that, I think that's that's the that's the nice part. I think I think reverence does not necessarily be conditioned by the externals, but the inner disposition is very important. How do you come? Uh, I think that Kevin is saying, okay, not everybody can carry a tune, probably. Uh, but the inner disposition of the person, of that sense of reverence, that sense of you know being in a sacred place, uh, that's it, it. Starts from when you leave home. It doesn't just happen when you arrive in church. You know, that whole preparedness uh, to encounter God, and then that is you know like Father Pat said, uh, that is enhanced by the singing, by the community that is present, by all the other things. So there's a foundation that it builds on. You know, and it just doesn't happen. You know, at one particular moment. Otherwise, what happens is that you know you can walk in and you feel very the sense of reverence, and then the moment you walk out, everything disappears. And you have seen many a times where people after mass in the car park arguing with each other. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so that whole sense of reverence is just at one for one hour, and then what happens to the rest of the rest of the day? So it all is an, an inner disposition uh, to be able to to revere God, whether in church or out of church. Yeah. So it starts from the inner disposition. Well, that's how I, I look at it. Otherwise, you know, it, otherwise it, it's quite uh, uh, disassociated. You know, your your outside life and your church life is kind of like, uh, you know, two different parts of of, of of your own experience. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just asking because, like, like I said, for me and maybe others too, uh, you know, that singing is not really something that I I, I do much or I enjoy much, you know, uh, maybe once in a while in uh, during the shower or in the car, something like that, but it's really not, you know, I'm not really much into singing and uh, that's why sometimes even when I'm going for like uh, some formation programs in church and just say it's at two o'clock and, and I'll probably leave at two o'clock and my, my wife will ask me, why are you going so late? I said, don't worry, let's praise and worship first, <laughs> which is something I'm trying, which is something I'm trying to avoid. But, you know, <laughs> confession time. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but, you know, you know, you know, you know, what, you know, I just share an experience. I think, I think, you know, I, I've noticed this, uh, so that there are communities, uh, you know, well, urban communities are a bit more shy. I think that's what your, the experience, you know, what would others think, uh, you know, will they look at me strangely, you know. But I found in, in rural communities, you know, uh, generally people sing, you know, people sing. Uh, and actually they don't care whether they are in tune, out of tune, uh, on key, you know. And, and, and I really like that, you know, I like that if, even if they are off key, but, you know, that sense of wanting to praise God is it, so rooted. You know, they couldn't be bothered what other people think as long as, you know, I, I think that's the beauty of it. So next time when you go, Kevin, don't worry. You know, think, <laughs> yeah. think your heart out. Think I mean, I mean, not, not all of us are blessed with the voice like Father, Father Pat. Um, yeah. Well, singing is only just one part of the Mass. You join in the prayers. You become sensitive to the environment and the people around you. Everybody is praying. There's so many things happening. You can look around, listen to the word of God, look at the gestures, get, I mean, get into everything that is going on, all the rituals. Don't just sit there like a stone. Then you get involved. I'm sure you have attended musicals and going for concerts. You can't say, I do not like music. You go in there, you get into the feel of it. So people are all praying. 
Be aware of the person beside you and answer the prayers. There's so much praying being done. So there's no excuse. If you, if you don't have a voice, no one is going to scold you. But answer the prayers and get into the Eucharist as much as you can. Don't worry about the distractions. We got another question from Esther. So uh, Esther asked, basically, the, I think it's a very interesting question for everyone. What is the highlight of being a priest so far, I mean, in your journey? Well, uh, who are you addressing the question to? Maybe that'll help. <laughs> vote, to vote. And uh, maybe Father Clarence, you, you may want to... Yeah. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't say there's just one highlight. I think that there are many highlights, and it it changes and and it you know depending on where I am, what I am doing. But I I think uh, you know now that see now that I am you know kind of cut off from people. We I mean we all are cut off from people, and I think one of the things that I really miss is that interaction, that social engagement with people. You know. Uh, one of the things that I've always found very enriching is that, you know, after Mass, and I, I'm sure some of you have seen me, after Mass, I like to stand at the entrance of the church, you know, even though if I, it's just one, two minutes, 20 seconds just to greet somebody, uh, that that gives me a bit of energy, a sense of purpose, a sense of, you know, so it's, it's the whole idea of just, you know, being available to people uh, in different ways. Uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, that, I mean, in a nutshell would be my highlight. I, I mean, I don't want to talk about doing specific things because we all do different things. I mean, in, in different esprits, uh, at different times, we are called to do this, called to do that. We, so we wear many hats. But it is, you know, a sense of community, being part of a community. Uh, I mean, Father Pat has, is a religious, so he has his own community. Uh, like diocesan priests, you know, our parish is our community. Uh, and that's our extended family. So that's like a sense of fulfillment, a sense of, uh, you know, uh, being appreciated, uh, all that adds to the highlight of, of being a priest. At least for me, that's you know in a in a general way. How about you, Father Pat? Well, I don't really go for highlights. For me, there's so many opportunities during the day, and I make the best of it. That every given moment, it's the ability to encounter God in people, in the sacraments, in ministry. So I try to make whatever I do something worthwhile, giving my very best to whatever it is. So I don't really look about highlights. I make everything well. I try to do everything the best way that I can. Yeah. Maybe if I can just uh, twist the question a little bit. Was being a priest uh, anything like how you had imagined it to be at the start? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, far from it, far, far from it, Kevin. I, I, I always think that you know, while in the seminary, the seminary prepares you in a certain way, but the seminary doesn't prepare you for everything that you'll encounter uh, in the ministry. Uh, it, it's just like any other. I mean, you can go to a university and and study something very specific, but when you come out to the world to work, you know, you realize that you know it's a whole different world. But the foundation is there. The foundation is there. So that's what makes it interesting because. It's not a static ministry. It's very dynamic. You encounter new things, new environments, new situations, new people. Uh, that's what makes it exciting. You know, it's 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 a it's the new encounter. Like I think Father Pat said, it's every opportunity is an opportunity to meet God in a different way, in a different 
from a different angle, a different facet. Yeah. So nothing prepares you for life. Nothing prepares us for MCO either. <laughs> Are there any more oh, questions? Yeah. It's so it's so enriching. The more you get into it, you learn so many things. I thought the priesthood was all about maybe celebrating the sacraments. But people bring a whole different dimension to it, you know. Look at the whole story of Christ. It was not about him celebrating sacraments. It's just being with the needs of the people and the sacraments will happen. So enriching and, and so fulfilling for me. So I have one question, uh, Father Pat. You were yeah. born, I mean, you're from, PJ, you're from PJ. I mean, an assumption is your home parish, but you became yeah. a redemptrice. So how and why, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, what made you uh, get the calling to be a redemptrice and versus uh, a, a diocesan? Uh, well, redemptrice was not my first choice. That's the irony because they used to come and give us missions and they were such great, great preachers and jokers. I said, I could never be that. But because I come from a very big family, family life is so important for me. See? And so the Redemptors have a sense of community, which I think the other, which the diocesans couldn't offer. And I, I needed a kind of a support. So I, I went to see the Jesuits, the Franciscans, and finally the Redemptorists. And then I, I decided, yes, there was, there was chemistry between me and the Redemptorist, so I pursued this vocation, and I wanted to be a good preacher. And I like the work about going for missions to the most abandoned. So that really something that I really want to do. Yeah. No regrets. I mean, I love being a parish priest, no doubt about it, but still in a, in a, in a Redemptorist way. Yeah. Well, you know what they say, never say never. <laughs> okay, so we have a question. So this, this question is from Dan. We have a question from Dan Tessera. So uh, he wants to know basically what's the difference in practicing, uh, to practice of conducting masses in church. So there's some of them, for example, there's no introductory by commentators in the beginning of the mass. Some the Gloria is sung in different melodies, different styles. And some homilies are, are yeah, half, more than half an hour. So what are your thoughts? <laughs> Father Clarence? You know, yeah, it, it is, you know, it, I think the important thing is we, we all share in the universality of the church. Uh, that's the most important thing. Uh, there are maybe some differences uh, in the way some things are done. Uh, I am not advocating that one is better than the other. I think what is important to remember is, you know, wherever we are, uh, everyone is trying their best uh, to offer an opportunity to meet God, to encounter God. Uh, and when we start, when we start picking on, on, you know, things that are not appropriate or what we may think is not appropriate, uh, then it, it bothers us then it defeats the whole purpose of, of being in church. That's what I would say, you know. If you start looking at all the negatives while you are in church, then the question is, why are you in church? You know, uh, I know I know we are humans. You know, I, I, I know the fact that, I mean, Father Pat will also agree to this. Today, you know, especially in urban areas, uh, a lot of people do not only do church shopping, uh, they do priest shopping. 
you know, <laughs> they jump from one place to another. I mean, Kevin is laughing. Maybe he's guilty of that also. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But, you know, every Mass is an opportunity to encounter God. And we need to find those opportunities and not, you know, find the obstacles. Because if we keep finding the obstacles, we will miss the opportunity of meeting God. You know, and, and, I, and I go back to the Bible. If you look at the Bible, it's very clear. You know, when Jesus went about doing his ministry, uh, you know, a lot of the chief priests, uh, they, they just found reasons not to believe in Christ. You know, uh, oh, this man, we know him. We know him as a little boy. He comes from here. We know his parents. And they missed a great opportunity to meet Christ. And those who came with open hearts, with open minds, just longing to meet Jesus, even to just to touch the hem of his cloak, you know, not without, they are the ones who really encountered God. And I think this is the attitude maybe we need, you know, when we go to Mass, to find opportunities. Like Father Pat said, you know, I, sometimes people say, you know, I mean, I'm sometimes they say to me too, uh, oh, Father, I mean, your homily is not so nice, but, yeah, but, you know, we can't understand. Yeah, but but there are other aspects of, of, of the Mass, you know. Uh, maybe maybe a song touched you. Uh, maybe a, another word or the Bible reading touched you, uh, uh, and, and use that as 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 the direction for the week. You know, so we can always find something good. You know, uh, in, in in every situation, I believe. Yeah, I mean that's the the long answer to a short question. <laughs> I also feel we should not come to church. As a critic, don't come as a critic and look at everything and then evaluate. Otherwise, there'll be so many things that are not right. I've got parishioners that are so critical, even when they come in, they, they are not greeted by the hospitality minister. They make a, a complaint. And it's not when the holy water bowl is not up to the brim, they will complain. They don't get a good seat, they will complain. The fan is Facing them, they will complain. There's so many things they're just not happy with. And that really spoils your disposition and being available to the person beside you. So go in there, understand the limitations of every parish, understand the limitations of the priest also. If we don't like something, write in dialogue with the priest and attend meetings and see how the worship quality can be improved. Otherwise, we will be just you know, bickering and saying everything is not right. Well, we can't please everyone also. I think for me, I'm very open to suggestions how we can improve. I try to keep my homilies less than 10 minutes, get to the point. I take seriously participation by everyone, the choir, and it must be a lively mass. And there are moments of silence. Keep all these things and people will be able to encounter Christ in a wonderful way. Otherwise, I would also be a critic. Why are you not joining in? Why are you dress like this? All kinds of things. You know, just go with the flow and let the spirit move you during the mass. Mm. I, I think I remember. I, I remember once. Uh, I can't remember which priest told me this, but he said, uh, "Don't come to um, to re to receive. I mean, apart from the the Eucharist, of course, don't come to receive, but come with an attitude of giving." What are you there for to give yourself and to, to you know, that attitude of giving rather than you no know, receiving as a customer? I can't remember which priest told me that, but uh, yeah, I, I suppose uh, that makes a little bit of sense there. Yeah, so uh, another thing, I, I think uh, today a lot of people uh, think the priests work 24-7. 
You know, I mean, I hear Father Gerard always saying, oh, I get a call at 4 a.m., 3 a.m. So what are the working hours for priests? And the question next comes uh, from uh, from Kit is basically, uh, what do priests do on your off day? So do you all have an off day? What are the working hours and what do you all do in your off, off day? Father Pat? Well, we have an off day, but so far I have not really taken the off days because there is, there is work. Uh, the busiest day is Sunday. Uh, wait, what was the question again? What do you do on your off day? What? Oh, what do you, yeah. I will hang on, with, hang on with my friends. I will go for a movie. I will go and have dinner with someone, with a family. I will accept an invitation. I will play my music, listen to my music. I will rest. I will lie in bed. A lot of things that I can do on my off days. Yeah. Call a friend. Normally, I will, I will go out with the youth, go out for a meal with someone that needs my time. How about you, Father Clarence? That's what I do. Yeah. Well, generally, I mean, I think it isn't written into our appointment or our contract that there is an off day. You know, I mean, uh, we, it's not something that if we don't get, we can go to the labor court to fight over it that, hey, I didn't get my off day. But, you know, conventionally, a lot of priests, uh, as far as I know, you know, we take a Monday off because after the heavy weekend, uh, so we kind of, you know, lie in uh, or on a Monday, uh, but different priests, different parishes have different. Some I know some priests have different off days. Uh, sometimes Monday, so sometimes Monday they have to work also because sometimes there's you know if there's a funeral then there isn't actually an off day. Uh, so it's a day. I think it's a day that that we priests take where we can kind of like uh, you know uh, not. I wouldn't want to say cut off because now with mobile phones there's no such thing as cut off. Uh, people call you. To do things that maybe uh, we don't have to don't have the time to do on the other days uh, when we are probably not in the office. So, like me, I mean, yeah, like Father Pat says, catching up with people. You know, uh, sometimes it's just waking up slightly later than than every other day. You know, a, a, a lazy breakfast. Uh, you know, no worries. It's, it's not breakfast in bed. Nobody brings breakfast in bed, so uh, we have to get up and you know. Uh, make our own breakfast. So it's it's a kind of a you know uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's like you know uh, we try not to take up. I mean at least I try not to take appointments on Mondays. But it's not always possible, Mark. It's not always possible. So sometimes you know uh, we still do. So it's just a day to let the body rest. Also, you know, in some ways, keeping the Sabbath on another day for us when we are working on the Sabbath. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I, I try to mind, you've got to educate actually your parishioners. I try to tell my parishioners, I'm not a service provider. Because they can call at any time of the night and ask me, Father, can you recommend a good budget hotel or a good restaurant? And all the funny things they bring the parish for, <laughs> you just can go crazy. So I tell them, Excuse me, I'm not a service provider. And if you want, at my age especially, me to be a healthy priest, don't call me at Three hours in the morning because your dog cannot sleep, or your cat is howling, or someone is loitering in your neighborhood, or whatever it is. It's they, they bring you for the darnest reason sometimes. It's you got to educate these people, you know. But I've got diarrhea. Can you recommend nothing with, with, with herbs and all that? <laughs> you got to play. 
It is amazing the things they got done. I think we should compile compile some of these uh, funny questions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Or another show. Do not ask the priest this question. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, I always remember that, that sometimes people who call the office and say, what time is the midnight mass? Is <laughs> <laughs> okay. it midnight? Oh, father, now midnight. no more midnight, Father. Father? But midnight mass, no more midnight nowadays, you know. <laughs> we could, we could be calling it midnight mass anymore, yeah. Yeah. So we have another question uh, from Al Nara. So if you're not a priest, what would you be? Father Pat, Father Clarence? Okay. Well, before I became a priest, I was a teacher. I was in the hotel line. I was a freelance artist. I love photography. I love singing. I had my own band many, many long, once, once upon a time. So the, all these things I could, I could go back to, but not at this age, I guess, you know. Love drama and acting, yeah. I think I would go back to teaching or to the hotel line. Hmm. Oh, but you not a priest. Oh. No, I when we, when I was in primary school, you know, they used to have this. I don't know. Father Pat will remember cumulative cards. You have to fill up these cumulative cards, and and they'll ask you at the end of every year. You know, apakah cita cita kamu? You know, the teacher will ask. I remember for the longest time, I, I used to put in pilot. I don't know why that was my fascination. Uh, yeah, but. You know that that didn't work out. You know, uh, uh, for for various the reasons. Planes <laughs> <laughs> may not take off. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was you know my childhood fascination with planes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's the that's the uh, that would that would I mean that would have been the other option. You know. Yeah. So just want to check. Also, do you need to be highly? What's the qualification to be a priest? I mean, what kind of education do you all need? I mean, like Father Pat. I mean, do we need to have a degree or do we need to have a masters in something or for the redemptrice? I mean, well, when I joined, we needed form six. Now I think you need to have some kind of a diploma to get to get in because you go into the seminary, tertiary studies, university level. If you had form three. There's no way you can cope with the studies of Form 5. The better your education, the easier your studies is going to be. Yeah. I did my master's while we stood. So, yeah. So, does that mean that uh, the higher your, your, your education level, that means, for example, you qualify for different uh, orders of the priest, priestly uh, vocation, for example, the Jesuits or the Redemptrists or the Diocesan. Is there a certain criteria? You know, Mark, I mean... To be a diocesan priest, it takes about eight years. To be a religious priest, it takes about 12, 15 years. You know, wow. it takes longer. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they are slow learners. So we, we, we can come <laughs> a longer time to, to, to grasp with all the concepts, all the mysteries of the Trinity. So, yeah. And it just, just that's the joke among us, you know, we always say, you know, uh, the religious are slow learners. So they take longer time. No, but I think it, it needs a level of, some some aptitude, some level of comprehension. Yeah, I think that's that's very important. Uh, you know, we have had exceptions, especially in the Dyson priesthood, uh, people with you know uh, not meeting the requirements, but able uh, able to 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 grasp concepts uh, and teachings. Uh, so sometimes, yeah, we have a, a bare minimum, but sometimes you know 
there is uh, there are exceptions also made uh, to accept people. Yeah. So I mean, it, the minimum these days, at least from five, from six, or a diploma or certificate in something, the ability to 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 study because it requires uh, in-depth studies. Uh, it requires uh, persons to to be able to understand uh, philosophical ideas, concepts, to able to grapple with them. Uh, a bit of theology. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, some level of, of uh, ability uh, to, to, to understand, to comprehend concepts and, and other things. Yeah. Okay. So Just kidding, Father Pat, I, I know you, you all are, no, you don't have to, you have longer time because you have different, different parts of the formation. It's not nothing to do with the studies part. <laughs> yeah. Because okay, I think so for yeah. the diocese, they can only learn so much. After eight years, they give up, but we go on to greater things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, that's the rebuttal that you got. <laughs> so we have a question for, from for the redemption. For the redemption, at least uh, form six. The least you need is form six or a kind of a diploma. And more important, you need working experience. You can't come in straight from the school. You must go to college or university. You, you don't take anybody straight from school. You have to have working experience. Very important for, for ministry. Sure. Yeah, that's the same. I think that's, I think now there's a bit more. That's the kind of requirement, isn't it? I mean, even at entrance levels, you have, uh, you have uh, psychological assessments that are made at the beginning, uh, which includes an aptitude test. Uh, at the entry point, uh, so things are you know uh, a bit more organized now compared to before. Okay, so we have a question for Matthew. Sorry, Father Pat. Uh, so for both fathers, no, what was the psychological test? Yes, I think they need yes. to be prepared. Yeah, cool. So for Matthew, uh, Matthew asked basically. What were the lowest and highest points in your lives during the priesthood up to now? Tough, eh? I think lowest was hmm. uh, not really. I mean, lowest is facing death. I mean, my 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 mom's death was was one of my low points, right? And then I think yeah, losing parishioners in tragedies and all these things are low points in my life. In ministry, I'm talking about in ministry. Yeah. High points is, oh my gosh, so many high high points, hard to, to rate high points. Just the joy of, of Easter night, the conversions, people coming into the church to see the, the elect being baptized. Those are really high points for me. People coming back to the sacraments after 40, 50 years and being renewed Charismatic movement, what 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 they do, volunteers that sacrifice so much for the church, people that give their time. Yeah, these are high points for me to see dedication of married couples and family life. Yeah. How about you, Father Clarence? That's it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I share with what Father Pat was saying. Yeah, I think the low points. I think it, it, for me, it has been quite different in at different stages of my own priesthood. Uh, in, at the beginning, I think it was about managing expectations. You know, when you come out of the priesthood, you are you're all fired up, you know, and people have all these expectations of, of priests. You know, uh, for us to have uh, 
superpowers like like the Avengers to have to be able to do everything, uh, you know, and sometimes really not possible. But as you move on in your priesthood, uh, you begin to realize that there are some other more important things to focus on, and and not to allow you know a a, a negative comment to to pull you down. Uh, you know, sometimes yeah, in in my early years, yeah. You know, when people are very critical, uh, and and you and it's, it's the reality that you know you you begin to realize that, uh, like we we spoke about it earlier. You know, people can be very, people can be armchair critics, uh, not just of the church, about the priests uh, also, and that used to kind of weigh me down. But I think that the support of other priests, the support of friends, uh, have always uh, lifted me up. So the high points. For me, it would be, you know, in this ministry, I've made a lot of friends, you know, uh, and I think, you know, which if in an ordinary, if I wasn't a priest, I wouldn't have had this network of people around me, friends, uh, like both, I mean, Mark and Kevin are, are products of uh, my friendship in, through the ministry. Mark was an altar boy, uh, Kevin much later. Uh, so we have maintained these friendships uh, over the years. And I think those are valuable uh, assets uh, for me uh, as a priest, uh, uh, friendship, uh, and, and I enjoy. I mean, I enjoy the fact that you know that there are people who also see me as a part of of their lives, uh, who, who see me as a friend, uh, uh, and more than just a priest. Sometimes you know we look at a priest and says, okay, like Father Pat said, no, we are service providers. So you know when I need you, I need you, and I don't need you, I don't need you, uh, kind of thing. But the relationships that that I have built over the years. Uh, friendships, uh, you know, uh, it's been amazing. Even like Father Pat, I mean, I was a seminary student when he was already a priest, I, I believe. Uh, and, yeah, and he came to the seminary to teach us to teach us about you know voice modulation, you know, uh, and these are friendships that I've built over the years, and and I value them. Those are my high high points, I think. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that. Uh, thanks, Matthew, for that question. Just to remind the viewers that uh, we're already more than halfway through our show. So if you have any questions, uh, just drop them in the comment section. And speaking of questions, I would like to ask a question. And uh, this may be a little bit silly, but um, to, the, to Father Clarence and Father Pat, have you ever, while celebrating the Mass, needed to go to the toilet? <laughs> and what did you do? <laughs> You know, there's, there's this, I always remember this story, you know, uh, some senior priest told me, there was once a priest, many years, he has passed on. Uh, and then, you know, he was a great builder of churches. And uh, at one time, when he had the same problem, halfway through Mass, he needed to go to the toilet. Uh, and there wasn't one. And since then, ever since he built churches, he made sure that in the, in the sacristy, there would be a toilet. You know, <laughs> so from an experience uh, came out of practicality. Uh, I, I don't recall, Kevin, I, I don't recall having, uh, you know, uh, that happened to me. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I, I have stepped out sometimes uh, when I'm not well to have a sip of water, yes. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, we are having, fighting a flu. Uh, sometimes I, I try not to carry a bottle of water onto the sanctuary, but I just step out to take a sip of water. But um, nature's call, uh, yeah. Yeah. Hasn't happened to me yet, and I hope it doesn't happen to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not happened to me. I think because we're all toilet trained. <laughs> <laughs> this one, that, that's, one what, that's what seminary, in, seminary does to you. 
So, um, there was this one incident in CDM. I was not feeling well and I didn't have anything to eat before the mass. And we had some doctors who insisted I should have at least have a drink. And during the mass, they went to make Milo and they gave it to the server and asked the server, give it to Father Masang, ask him to drink it now. It was so embarrassing. The cup comes on near the altar there. I'm like, good grief, I can't drink Milo at this time. <laughs> so you get, you know, yeah. You should, you should, you should have said, yeah. can, can, I, can I have two slices of toast to go with the Milo too? <laughs> I should have asked for that, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. It's always toilet in the sacristy. So in case of that, you can be excused. Oh, I see. And so, I remember uh, there was one priest. There was one priest that needed to go to the toilet, right? And of course, yeah, he, he told the congregation, I've got to go just for a short while. And he went in. But the problem is, he had this microphone fixed to his head here. <laughs> and when he went in, everybody heard whatever sounds were made in the <laughs> The whole congregation was in stitches. And he couldn't understand why they were laughing at him. He said, I don't think it was very funny. A priest going to the toilet and they continued to laugh. It was so funny. <laughs> so switch off your mics if you've got the microphones. This label mics. <laughs> yeah, you better be careful today with all technology. <laughs> There's cameras right, and mics right. all around. Yep. Yeah. But uh, I think today for all our viewers, we have lots of questions coming in. Yeah? So we, we can't really put all the questions up. Yeah, because we have a, a time period. So we'll just highlight and we'll give ad, uh, other people a chance also. Yeah. So George, again, this is another question which George has been uh, bringing up. So the celebrant and assistant on the second century are significant agents of the sacred liturgy. So why do some celebrants inspire clapping during Holy Mass? Yeah. Is this the proper doctrine from the ho during Holy Mass? Father Pat? I guess there is a time... There's a time and place for everything, okay? After the communion rite, after the communion rite, in a sense, the, 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 the Eucharist is over. The, the communion rite ends everything. That's why we have the announcements at that time. If you want to have clapping at that part, it's quite okay. It's an accepted, I think, cultural thing. But not during the Mass, you're doing your sermon, you want affirmation, you ask the people to clap. That may not be appropriate. So leave all those kind of clappings towards the very end when the Mass is over. When that part of the Mass is over. Okay, so... But sometimes uh, when... Yeah, yeah Father Pet, you're saying? No, no. It's how you, you want to look at a celebration. If you call a mass a celebration and you're there being so mournful and you're, you know, so strict, it's not really, it can't really be a kind of a celebration. It's not supposed to be a sorrowful mystery and, and something so solemn where you can't even smile and be happy. That, that kind is, for, for me, it's very negative. So don't focus on the clapping. I mean, the clapping is just a small part. It shouldn't upset anyone if, if people show appreciation and joy. Why is it upsetting any, any, anyone? Yeah. Clap so, your hands to the Lord and dance and sing. You know, it, 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 it's fine. There are appropriate moments for silence, for singing, for being joyful. 
for movement, for gestures. Yeah, that is important in liturgy. All right. So thank thank yeah. you, uh, Father Father Pat. As you know, uh, we're coming uh, closing in on the end to the show, so we'd like to get in as many questions as we can. Uh, any any Ling has a question. Does our seminary takes in uh, non-Malaysian who aspire to be a priest? You know, I think historically, our seminary here in Malaysia, at least the diocesan seminary, has been a regional seminary. Uh, it took in students from, from Singapore, from Thailand, uh, from the Indochina region. Uh, uh, so, the, see, the older priests uh, have got memories of these people studying together. But, you know, with immigration laws uh, becoming stricter, uh, it has become almost impossible uh, to to accept uh, non-Malaysians uh, to study in the seminary. Because uh, the seminary, in, in some ways, uh, I mean, it, it's not like uh, an, a recognized institution uh, to be able to afford or to give, uh, you know, uh, student visas. Yeah, so that's, that's the challenge. Uh, that's the challenge. And I think if, 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 if it's possible, I, I'm sure that the seminary would be open to receiving. But uh, because of, of these uh, limitations uh, by law uh, that we are currently the Dyson Seminary, we are unable to accept uh, non-Malaysians uh, into the seminary. Thank you. Thank you for the clearance. So the we next have a regional is... seminary yeah. Yeah. where people come from all parts of the world to study in our seminary, but that is in the Philippines. That's where our regional seminary is. If you can get You're, a permit to study, it's fine, yeah. Do you still have your seminary in, in, in Dawao uh, for the pet? Yes. Yes, it's still there. It's a regional seminary. For Southeast Asia, people coming even, even from India, from Vietnam, from Australia, from Samoa, from the Fiji Islands, from Africa, Okay. okay, so uh, there's another more, a couple more questions coming in. So one from Christopher Victor. Maybe you can just uh, help him in terms of his question, where he looks at how do you how do you overcome uh, spiritual dryness during this period? Anyone from the oh, great master, great masters of Alfonso's de Liguri. <laughs> <laughs> Everything, I mean, it's a spiritual thing. You've got to take all these things into prayer. You've got to find time. You've got to discipline yourself. It's just a, a, a passing phase sometimes. Like all the saints go through that. It's not the end of the world. It's good to go through that and see what's happening in your life. See a spiritual director. Go and see someone. Talk to someone if that period is, is stretching too much. Whether it's really spiritual dryness and going through depression, whether you need therapy, go and look for professional help if you need so if if you, if you need it. You know, okay. I, I, I remember. That's my take. I just remember a few years ago, I, and I always use this example uh, reading the the biography of Mother Teresa, and and she, I mean, we kind of she's a saint, yeah, and then we you know we see this great person who lived in our times. Uh, and she speaks about, you know, there are times when, when, when she sees people dying on the streets, when you see uh, children, no food. Uh, she's very angry with God. 
I mean, she's very, you know, and, and, and she struggles with that. And it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, book that I read. Uh, and she says that, you know, there are days when she doesn't feel like praying too because she's angry with God uh, for, for allowing these things to happen. But she says in the book, uh, at least she alludes to that fact, uh, you know, even though I don't feel like praying uh, or giving up on prayer, but she looks at prayer as also God's time with her. You know, uh, that, that, you know, it's also God being present to her. So she says that there are times when she goes to the chapel, she just sits there with nothing to say, but she knows that God ministers to her uh, in that silence, in that dryness too. I think it's a very powerful uh, uh, experience. Uh, and I've always used that and kept that uh, in mind, you know, even when you are dry, because, you know, experiences that we go through like father pat says you know uh, grief when you're grieving it's very hard to pray sometimes you know uh, when you look around in, in difficult situations very hard to pray you wonder all these things happen but even in that grief even in that you know that dryness god ministers to us in a different way we just need to be present to him hmm. thank you for that uh for the clarence i'm sure many of us uh uh, also go through the spiritual dryness and sure. that example from Mother Teresa or Saint Mother Teresa uh, will be also helpful to us. Uh, as we are coming up to the end of the show, uh, just uh, one more question here for from Mickey. Mickey, and she'd like to know for the pet and for the Clarence, for those who are considering the priesthood or religious, uh, could you share your experience, how your calling came about and you were certain that this was a sure calling? Uh, this may be uh, something very long for you to explain. So maybe uh, just for this show, we'll talk about this, about your calling maybe on another show. But maybe briefly, can you just uh, tell us about your calling uh, for the pet? Well, the calling happened in a long period of time. It's something that I had to discern. It took me about more than, I think, three years, more than three years to really discern whether I was willing to answer that call and to take that risk because I was, work, I was working and somehow deep down inside I felt I needed, in a sense, job satisfaction. Whatever I did didn't give me a sense of peace and happiness and the priesthood was actually, actually quite frightening. I had to go and see a priest and talk about it and then have someone journey with me to see whether I'm discerning in the right way. But it's a risk that we all would like to take because it's a relationship with God and I look back, I said, thank God I, I gave it a try and not be afraid. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that there's never a moment that we are sure, isn't it, uh, Pat? I mean, even when you apply, you, there's always that doubt. Uh, you it's know? That's very true, but you've got to work at it, like any yeah. relationship, even in a marriage, when you think it's going down, we take an extra vow, the vow of perseverance, which means when the going gets stuck, we still continue to persevere the best way that we can. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's like in a marriage, you just don't give up when, when times are bad or you're depressed and you blame someone. and You've got to do something about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what is important for those who are, who are discerning, I think, you know, to look at priesthood or religious life as yet one of the options that are available. Today, a lot of people don't give that as an option. You know, when, you know traditionally... You want to become an engineer, be a doctor, you want to become this, you want to become that, you know, and society kind of shapes you in that direction. Uh, and, and priesthood or religious life is not offered to a person uh, as an option. Uh, uh, 
you know so i i think you know if you are really searching uh, this must also be another uh, facet of our lives that we are that young people are open to and i think that's what vocation sunday is all about you know is is about you know telling people you know uh, uh, opening up that opportunity that uh, that there is another path of life also uh, that you want to consider to discern you know as i said i mean i say that it doesn't mean that the moment you enter the seminary or religious house you're going to become a priest you know the seminary or you know religious formation is is part of that journey that discernment that we make you know and every day i i remember going to the seminary my first year uh, i told myself i'll give myself one year uh, and see how it goes you know mm-hmm. uh, one year became two then three four five so every year is a kind of a renewal uh, and every moment is an opportunity to meet god in different ways so there isn't you know there isn't a clear message you know even when they send there isn't a whatsapp message that comes okay god says i want you you know uh, i mean sometimes i wish i had like moses i saw a burning bush uh, or, or you know I, i of course i don't wish the 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 dream of jonah to be swallowed by a whale mm-hmm. but you know little by little god reveals himself and i think that's the beauty of of being persevering and and discerning Yeah for the clarence you mentioned that um, you know it's it doesn't seem to be like an option these days for most people um not to put blame on to anyone but you know how can we promote this and and make this more of an option to to people whether not just a priesthood but religious life uh, that's a question from uh, Celine de Cruz she'd like to know how how is it being promoted I mean one good example is like vocation sunday this we, we do it once a year you know uh, there are opportunities like for the diocesan priests and I'm sure also for for the redemptorists and other congregations there is a vocation promoter uh, that goes around uh, speaking uh, uh, at uh, in the, even in our Sunday school these days uh, in the syllabus uh, there is also that thing about uh, priesthood priestly life uh, when you talk about the sacraments so these are the opportunities but it's not enough it's not enough for us just to speak from the pulpit uh, but it also has to be reinforced in some ways in the home you know uh, mm-hmm. to be able to that parents you know like mark has two boys i hope mark you are you're talking to your boys uh, and giving them that giving them that as an option you know but a lot of times the thing is this the reality is that you know because we live in a material world a lot of young people i ask uh, uh ask do you like to be a priest you know oh okay can i afford a car you know the quick question is you know can i buy a big car you know uh, can i get this so somehow society conditions uh, a lot of young people to think that you know it's material possession that that determines our happiness and success uh but but i will say as a priest yeah i may be deprived of certain things but i am enriched in many other things you know uh, and i think that's the beauty of of, of the priesthood or religious life i would encourage anyone who is interested to give it a go to try it out to go and see someone i would invite them to come and live in our community for a few days and just see what life is like what religious life is like and how we live it it gives them an experience you can even go to the diocesan seminary but just go into those places and see how what's going on and the spiritual director there will help you discern but i think sometimes people are afraid because the moment you 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 share an interest there's like a pressure from the community now you know everybody is saying oh you are I, i think that's that's something that we shouldn't be doing you know we should encourage people to explore you know I mean mm-hmm. I don't know you ask people go for vocation I know Mark Mark you went for vocation camps right when I remember when I was in the something church no you didn't go huh? 
I think my mistake like, should have sent you. <laughs> Talking about pressure. <laughs> I kind of like, put the, I put that responsibility on your uncle, so he did a good job. You know. But I think you know the community must must nurture vocations, you know, they must support, you know, not put pressure on people, you know. Just that the guy goes to to a, or the girl goes to a to explore, like Father Pat says, just to find out immediately everybody brands them. Oh, okay, oh, this is the holy one, this is one, you know. Then mm. and that kind of disappoints people sometimes that people don't want to yeah. meet that. But, but nurture. But, yeah, but just just wondering, uh, for Clarence or Father Pat, was there a time where like if you had someone religious in your family and that was like your pride, like you know, yes, you know, you know, my son is a priest and was it was there a time when that was, you know, happening uh, and then now that doesn't <laughs> happen so much maybe <laughs> you know there's, there's a joke like there's a joke you know there's a, a priest that went uh, to a family uh, and that that they, they had many children so there were quite a few boys so he asked the parent uh, can you can you encourage uh, your your sons to become priests uh, and then she said oh oh father okay uh, yeah, this one is the intelligent one. Okay, that one doesn't study very well. You can you can take him, father. You can take him. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, so the thing is, just because you know they they don't make it in life uh, doesn't mean that there is the option. You know. But yeah, I, it's true. It was the pride and joy of many families. You know, uh, I, in my family, I'm I mean I'm the only priest. Uh, but uh, but. Yeah, there are many realities. I mean, it's too it's too long to to talk here. Uh, you know the situations uh, in, in a country, but the thing is, yeah, I think give them the opportunity to discover. I think that's the beauty of it. You know, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean they have to become priests or religious, but at least they have discovered. You know what happens. So, so we're, like we're having this talk show is because people don't know what we do. You know, mm-hmm. uh, don't know what happens in the seminary. So, yeah, you know. And okay. uh, Father Pat, are you the only the only one in your family who are maybe a, a priest or religious? Yes. The one and only. So and do sometimes they're always... proud. Sometimes they're proud. Sometimes they are embarrassed because I do crazy things. But I think they. <laughs> so Father Pat, since you you missed out, you, you missed out, you missed out on Mark. Since you missed Mark, out on Mark, you better work on Matthias and Marcus now. <laughs> for the yeah. next generation. Well, Father Clarence and Father Pat, I mean, um, a lot of people, when they, you say the worldly things, I mean, they want to be uh, YouTubers because they want to be famous, you know what I mean? They, want, they, they like to share content. A lot of people say, maybe say they want, to, they want to be an engineer because they like to build things, you know what I mean? So I think uh, there are highlights which they see from this, but I think uh, maybe on the priestly aspect, what would, I mean, just say if it's your last words to encourage people. I mean, what would be the joys of being a priest, and and why why people should consider it today as as a vocation after your form five, after your college? As I said, I mean, what? you know, this whole idea is priesthood is about generosity uh, of of giving of oneself, you know, uh, and I think that's something that that we all can learn, we all can that we should have in our lives, you know, to be generous. I'm talking about generosity, not just in material things. You know, for example, Mark, I mean, like in this time of MCO, there's so many people asking for so many things. And I I mean, getting calls, people want this, people want that. Sometimes I just wish I had like, you know, a few million ringgit to be able to help everybody, you know. But I don't, uh, I, I don't. Uh, but, you know, I've been able to connect them with people who are able to help others. 
you know, and, and that's that's the beauty of it. So to be a priest sometimes is like a bridge. You're a bridge in the community uh, to bridge people with God, to bridge people with one another. Uh, it's easier to bridge people with God than to bridge people with one another sometimes. But, you know, but that's, I think the, the joy for me of, of priesthood, of ministry is to be able to be a part of a community, to be able to to share that that, that same love that same generosity that I receive from God with others. Uh, so, I mean, to the young people out there who are discerning, you know, who are thinking, you know, don't just think of the traditional careers uh, of being famous, uh, but it is, priesthood is, is a way of, of serving God and serving one another. Uh, and not being a celebrity, not like Father Pat, you know, who's got an album cut, you know, not not all of us. Not all of us are blessed with a golden voice, yes. But in our own little ways, I'm just kidding. I mean, yeah. but in our own ways, you know, we are able to support and serve the community, and I think that's the greatest joy. Yeah, and also what Mark said earlier, people want to be engineers and architects to build things. I think the priesthood, the priest is a builder when it comes to spirituality helping to build people's relationship with God, helping people to encounter God. We always discount the spiritual aspects of our lives. Everyone is a spiritual being. It's just whether they want to develop that. So for me, I'm just an instrument, and I feel those that love relationships, love people, priesthood is a beautiful vocation to be in. It's a very caring... It's something that you express your, your compassion and your love. For me, it's in a sense, you want to call it job satisfaction. It's, a, it's the best thing that I've ever done in my life. I don't think any other career or job will give me what I have received from others. I get to know their highest moments, their best moments in life. When they are down, they share everything. And I think it's, a, it's such a privilege to be in such a position. When people trust you and they share with you everything from the moment they are born to the moment they die, you are there in their life. No other job offers this kind of a quality, such privilege and such honor. I don't regret this. If you're a young person, you're thinking about this, go ahead, go and discern and find out. That's yeah, it. that's great. Thank you for that, uh, for the pet. Mark, is there any more questions? I think I think it's also time, Kevin, that uh, I think okay. a lot of people have been waiting for this moment. Yeah, yeah. So once again, I'd like to thank all those who posted your questions in for Father Clarence and Father Pat. Of course, uh, we've got, had good response for this. So I'm sure we will do more sessions on Ask a Priest uh, with Father Clarence, Father Pat, and maybe some, some other priests. We'll just call them on the show and see what they have to say. So be ready for the next uh, show, Ask a Priest. All you have to do is uh, like our Facebook page, follow us, and we'll let you know when that was going to be. As I promised or mentioned earlier, we're going to have the winner announcement for our contest that we had during Holy Week. Yes, we asked you to submit your pictures of decorations for Holy Thursday, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, uh, Easter Sunday, and we've had a bunch of them come through. Uh, I'm not going to do the picking. In fact, uh, Father Clarence and Father Pat are going to choose the winners. Uh, Mark, how is this going to go? So uh, uh, maybe I think uh, we had, first of all, thank you very much for participating in this. Uh, I think it was a great idea by Father Clarence and Father Pat to actually 
come up with the Holy Week MCO contest. And I think uh, we have quite a lot of submissions. So the first stage, maybe we will get Father Pat and Father Clarence to maybe share their thoughts on the submissions while I just scroll through the different submissions submitted by the different various people. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, it, it, just looking at it, so so amazing. You know, the people are so creative. You know, uh, even though distant from the church, but people have taken the effort to create the the atmosphere of, of Holy Week, and and that's beautiful. And that's beautiful. I, I've I've loved many of those. You know, but unfortunately, because it's a competition, you have to narrow down. Uh, if you could give a prize to everyone, I would give a prize to everyone for at least for the effort put in, uh, the thought that went in, uh, and they all deserve a prize. But like all competitions, uh, Kevin, Mark, <laughs> we have to choose one. So, uh, yeah, so don't be discouraged. Uh, you know, uh, uh, and, and I hope these things continue uh, even after MCO is lifted, you know, to recreate uh, that, that whole idea of, of reverence in your home for this most important time uh, in our liturgical uh, celebrations. So, Father Pat, what do you think of this submission so far? Yeah, I mean, the the very fact that they took pains to be creative, it's amazing. When I asked for Palm Sunday, how are you going to welcome Christ into your house? What are you going to put on your doors? They came up with very in interesting designs, and I, I'm, I'm quite pleased with so many entries coming in. That's great. That's yeah. great. So now I think uh, we, we have actually more than 30 over submissions for the first time. And I think all of this looks very different and unique in its own way. And I think we have to decide the winners. So maybe Father Clarence and uh, <laughs> Father Pat, we have two winners, correct? So yeah. I mean, <laughs> everyone is a winner, Lamak. Let's put it that way. Everyone is a winner here. Uh, but, you know, but out everyone of is a winner. Yeah, out of the out of thirty, out of thirty, uh, we just had to pick two. Uh, so yeah, so we kind of pick two uh, that we think uh, we would like to share a small gift with. Uh, but I said I, I keep saying everyone is a winner here. Uh, everyone uh, for the effort for the creativity. It's amazing, uh, and I hope many of them will transfer that creativity uh, into their churches. You know, uh, when we reopen and I use that, so we have a lot of creative people out there. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. Your and parish I mean, priest now knows who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and so these are the, the one for the door, the entrance of the door. And I think that goes to Dominic for his creativity. On his front door, the design that he had, Dominic. Yeah. Yay. Congratulations, Dominic. And Father Clarence? And the other one goes to Diana Raj uh, for recreating the whole uh, Holy Thursday, Palm Sunday kind of an atmosphere. It's amazing uh, to set up an altar, uh, to you know, put that, that jar that, uh, for washing of the feet uh, and to have it, you know. I, thought, I, I, I first thought it was a chapel somewhere, you know. Uh, uh, but it, it was in the <laughs> home. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful effort uh, put in by Diana. So yeah, that's, that's my pick. So congratulations All to right. Diana and Dominic. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Uh, it looks like a lot of uh, thought has gone into this. Yeah, a lot of thought and also a lot of effort and skill. I mean, uh, look at Dominic. Uh, uh, his one has a ribbon and all that, and looks like a, a floral. Uh, a, someone who does those those flowers. Uh, what do you call them? Florists. What uh, did something really wonderful with that? And also Diana has all 
the elements there. Surely, surely a lot of thought has gone into this. So once again, congratulations to Diana Raj and Dominic. We will get in touch with you and see how we can uh, give you your prize. And also, once again, thank you very much to all those who submit your entries. They were beautiful. As Father Clarence said, we wish we had, uh, we could give everyone a prize. But just to make it interesting, we'd like to have a competition and, of course, uh, get more competitions going in the future. Talking about that, Kevin, uh, I yep. think Mother's Day is coming up, right? Ooh, yes. So Father Pat <laughs> so what what should we, we ask them? What should we ask them to do, Father's? <laughs> show us their creativity and kevin i mean let's not mm -hmm. let's not confine their creativity show us their creativity how they are celebrating mother's day and maybe okay. we could have something similar to that you know uh how what they have done for their mothers uh or what they are planning to do uh, mm -hmm. uh would, would we still would we still be under mco when we celebrate mother's day i think it's second week of may right yeah, second week, we would still be yes. Yeah, so yep. show us something creative of how you have uh, appreciated and celebrated Mother's Day. Uh, and maybe we could think of something along those lines. Okay, great. So you and heard it from Father Clarence. Yes, Father Pat? Right. And for those who cannot afford it, I think a poem to mothers would be wonderful. Write a, a thank you note or a poem to your mother and then we will read it and see who's got the best. Yep, great. Best poem. Yeah. So Bishop well, spoke about writing yeah. using a letter. Yeah. Mm. Bishop, Archbishop yeah. Uh, spoke about writing using a letter. So maybe we can write a poem using a letter and give it to our parents and submit it on a, on our comment box here. I mean, and, and we will yes. we'll go through it later. Yeah. Send it yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love that. So once again, the viewers watching and those who's watching this video, uh, you've got a lot of time. There's, I think, about two, two and a half weeks to go. So, you know, get thinking, get creative, plan something and send it to us, post it in our comment section and we'll have another competition. And also we'll, we'll air all your poems or all your creations, beautiful decoration pictures on our Facebook on another show. All right. So I think it's been a, a great show today. We've answered a lot of questions, more questions to be answered in future shows, I hope. But I'd like to thank uh, Father Patrick Masang and Father Clarence for being on the show today. Uh, Ask a Priest. And also my co-host, Mark, uh, thanks for joining us. Maybe we can end with a prayer. Father Patrick, if I could just uh, ask you to uh, say a closing prayer to end the show. Sure. All right. In the name of the Father and of Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Lord, we praise and thank you for this opportunity to reach out to so many people. We pray for all those affected by the pandemic. We pray, we pray for the coming Good Shepherd Sunday, for more vocations to the priesthood and religious life. And we, we, we thank you for all the people that have given up so much during this pandemic and all those that had to lose loved ones. We make this prayer to Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 All right, that's our show once again. A big thank you to Father Pat, Father Clarence, and Mark. And we hope to see you on the next episode of Catholics at Home. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, like our Facebook page. Also, we have our podcast on YouTube and Spotify. Goodbye. Bye. I had to...